Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. We're live, Jim. We're live. We're live. I, I, I could not find my mouse to click the record button. So <laughs> I, I gave Jim the finger a good three seconds before we started recording, but we're good now. Uh, and I was so ready to say bad things because uh, I just got a call. You know, I almost had to hang up because live Mary Mary 85 254 wanted to talk to me. That sounds I like somebody that should have your number, Jim. <laughs> it does. It does. She She knows uh, you. She may not oh, be from your country, God. but she knows who you are, Jim. She's, yeah, she does. She's that listener from Angola. She's so in love with me. Oh, now I got to, uh, how do I block this person? <laughs> she keeps calling. Oh, no. Is she sending live nudes? No, she's she sending calling. more nudes. I'm sure that what she wants to do is talk about how lonely she is and needs a man like me. Maybe she does, Jim. Hey, who are we to judge? Anyway, uh, if you if you found our show for the first time, we're sorry we haven't <laughs> talked about the word guitar yet. Uh, this is a guitar <laughs> podcast. If you didn't know, we talk about all things guitar related. You mean it's uh, not about Live Mary twenty five fifty four or whatever? It is. No, no, no. Even if she is a groupie, it's not about her. Trust me, it's definitely not about her. I do have to talk about groupies when we get done with our our handling. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, please, please keep it sensible, Jim. Um, oh, it will. It will be. So, Don't worry. Are you a regular listener? Why not? Subscribe to the Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put an interview with Sirius where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist. You can also find us on Twitter as at PractGuitarist. If you're interested in supporting the show, we've launched a Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. Dot com. Threadless not your thing? Then you can check out Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash practical guitarist. Uh, we have several tiers available for listeners uh, as low as $1 a month. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practical And I did it. That's it. Yeah. Yay. All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, Live Mary. No, no, um, no. Let's talk a little Jim, bit about. No. I, I have no idea. I gotta block her when I'm done. Oh, Yo, you do. God, I hate these things. Anyway, um, so I had a gig uh, last last night. Yeah, time flies. Um, so I, we played this gig, and the the church ladies decided to come out to uh the thing now for those of you who don't know i do play in the church now i i i um uh, volunteer my time i'm not paid I, they don't provide any of my equipment or anything i log myself in i log myself out wait I, I i just have to my mind is my mind is freaking out your church ladies came to yes. your regular gig regular gig this is oh, yes no. mind blown the whole way so i warned the band i said look guys <laughs> there's some group of church ladies coming up. We really kind of need to be on better behavior. They were like, why are we not on good behavior when everybody else? I said, cause these people are from my church. I have to see them tomorrow morning in the six. house of God. <laughs> in the house of God. So, um, yeah, there was, believe me, they took advantage of, 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 uh, that, um, the, the band, not the, the ladies. Um, they, uh, they were very, well behaved, the ladies and the band. Uh, but uh, so they, they came out and they were like, yeah, where are where is groupies? <laughs> so my um, mouth is completely I, my jaw is on the table. We did uh, some sugar on me and the guys said um, for an intro to the song, they said, uh, yeah, uh, this song was real popular in the strip clubs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It still is popular in the strip clubs, but neither Jim nor I have ever been. Well, Jim's been in one, but that's a story for that in person. You want, you want to know that story? You're going you're gonna to have to donate to the podcast. That's a Patreon story. That is Patreon only, because let me tell you something. That is one of the stories 
You do not. Uh, yeah, you, you you cannot unhear it. it. You may not want to donate to Patreon to hear that one. I'm just going <laughs> to say this right now. <laughs> Even if you do get Patreon and you do get the opportunity to hear that story. You yeah, might want to reconsider. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I've got I, um, I've got some uh, uh, stuff. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about I, I've been watching Troglodytes, uh, Trogly's uh, videos lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably watched, I don't know, 50, 60 in the last couple of days. I probably, uh, I don't watch them, watch them. They're on while I'm taking the shower. Jim, Jim just, just so, just so we're clear. And I think I've already mentioned this, but can't get that time back. Okay. Oh, but at least I was doing something <laughs> productive during that time. <laughs> um, it, it, so it's funny because, uh, it's funny as it's I'm true. watching them, the guy negates himself during, so he's like, yeah, this is the original case. Then later in there, he goes, yeah, this is probably not the original case. I'm like, you know, there is the ability to edit those videos yeah. and take out the part. Maybe you should watch the whole video before you post I'm it. Just, I'm just saying, you know, and he does edit his videos. It's like he's pretty edit. pretty good and drunk by the time it gets posted anyway, so he yeah, can't remember I, what the hell. I'm not sure, but um, he's he's a nice enough guy. He does, he's a lot of really cool stuff. If you get a chance to check out his reverb channel, um, he's got that, that SG that we were talking about. It's still on, um, on his reverb channel. Uh, the one that's got the head, the broken headstock. And they, what they did was they put the locking nut on one end and then yeah. at the other end, they stuck kind of the headstock on it to make it look kind of cool. Weird. They made it a headless SG. Yeah. It's a headless SG. It's the only one in existence. I think um, anyway, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> He wants he wants twenty five hundred dollars for it, which is about twenty four hundred and eighty dollars more than I'd pay. But, um, you know, I I, th- I think he got, I think he offered. We talked about that last episode. Yeah, or the episode before. Cars. Oh, yeah, the, yeah last episode was custom. Yeah, yeah. Don't look for your money back out of it. I'm sorry, Trogley. You're just not going to get that kind of money no, for no, it. No. Enjoy the experience of owning a internet famous guitar. Yes, and. You're probably going to keep it, but I, if I was him too, I would put it up on. If it sells, it sells. Why not? Somebody, somebody might be like, "I want that thing." Yep. I don't know why. Hundred dollars to burn. Yep. So, um, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. No, it is. Uh, we didn't do a what's new last week, and what? So I'm still going with your new gear. You're not. Um, I haven't bought any gear. Oh, I haven't bought gear since big, the, the big car. shock. Big shock. I haven't bought any gear. I'm still still loving my analog man sunface, which I'm holding in my hand the box right now. Um, so, so I can DM the box for twenty five hundred dollars. Couple it's up things. On channel. If you haven't seen the YouTube <laughs> channel, go check us out. We got a YouTube channel now. I'll put the uh, I would put the URL in the notes, but they won't allow me to have a custom URL until we have a certain amount of subscribers. It's a very high number. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Please. Please get your friends to subscribe to us. And like many channels, they don't actually have to watch Yeah, it. we don't care if you watch us. I mean, you could be like the Tone King sub- subscribers and just subscribe and then never pay attention to him again. Yeah, I guess less than 3% of, of subscribers are watchers. We're then, fine with that. Um, yeah, and that's... I mean, I'll be honest. I've been going um, looking at YouTube channels even outside of um, ours, uh, our community. And that's pretty much... I hate to say it, but that's pretty much small. That's pretty, it's get, pretty normal, especially as you get like as you get higher and higher. It seems like less and less people watch you consistently. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at it, you know. I know we pick on Jared Dines a lot, but I know he puts out a lot of people, and he does he does get a lot of views, but he still gets less than ten percent um, of his subscribers actually watch his videos. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good number if he's around like seven so or eight. Grandpa or your grandpa or something will subscribe to us because they don't have to watch it. They don't even have to click the little bell. Yeah, then we can now, get our custom URL and I can put it in the show notes so you can hear me mispronounce it every week. That'd be great. Yeah, so so YouTube is finally, I don't know why it took them this long to realize that, hey, if you don't get that bell and you don't get notified and people don't actually watch your thing, subscribers don't mean diddly anymore. So, you know, eventually they'll, they'll realize that subscribers are just numbers that I, I could get a thousand subscribers and still only get 10 views. And I look care. at it as a, scri- a, su- a, su- um, a subscription to your YouTube channel is like basically somebody saying, I like your channel. Right. Yeah. It's nothing more than that. So, yeah. all right, whatever. Main thing is uh, we've got a lot of fun YouTube content planned. Um, yeah, I want talking about some of that. So what's, oh. what's some of the stuff you've got coming up, David? All right. So I got um sitting on my desk. Well, not on my desk here, but on my, in my, 
studio space where I do my my demos now. Um, I have the end of the world fuzz from Good Time Music that I'm going to be pitting against two other fuzzes that I have. Uh, two other because it's, it's a muff style fuzz. Um, I don't have a big muff. I I may actually buy one for the shootout, but I'm I got to get a decent price and get the right muff that like the the most the most correct muff, right? Like so, I got to find one that does the muff sound, you know, versatility. Um, if any listeners want to want to suggest one, uh, feel free to in the group, and I and I'll take your suggestion seriously. Um, yeah. but I'm doing that one. That that's going to be a big one. But last night. And I post a little video clip in the group. Um, I was sitting here and I had some friends over out of town, so I had headphones on and I was just kind of tweaking, playing with the Helix. And um, I had the Sunface running in the loop. Now, I've already got some people asking me, like, how are you pulling that off? Because the loops, um, by default, the the Helix has uh, impedance settings on the, in, the input. And the impedance and fuzzes, like, you have to get them right. If they're not right, the fuzz is not going to sound right. It's not going to respond to your volume knob or any of that. And the fuzz face has very, very specific, very particular thing. Well, anyway, I found a workaround. So I can actually have it so um, the impedance matches the input of the amp model when I'm just using an amp and no and no fuzz face. And then I can press a switch and the fuzz face comes on and it works all perfect. And I, I'm going to detail that in the video. But um, what I thought was really cool is I di- dialed up the arbitrator model inside the uh, the Helix and it replaced the sun face. And so I, I had it so I could foot switch between the two. And um, honestly, they're really close. I, I, you know, I poo-pooed the Helix fuzz face model, but it's good. It's, it's effing good. It's really, really close. Part of the reason why I poo-pooed that model was because I didn't have it set up right. Um, once I got it configured the right way, put it at the right place in the single path, figured out the impedance thing and then was able to use that to manipulate this setting. Um, after a little bit of tweaking, I mean, it's, it's really damn close. Um, that being said, uh, I, I still prefer the Sunface. Um, the Sunface cuts better, has a little bit better upper mids, a little bit better lower mids. Um, almost a little bit, just, just a little bit more cutting. Like it's got a, it's got a very, it's like when you take a parametric EQ and you've got a, a higher Q and it's sweeping the right frequency. And and so it works better with the guitars that I use and the, the uh, amp models and the Helix. Now, here's the crazy thing. And I think this is why this video might actually get us some traction. Um, nobody, when you buy a fuzz, like typically guys that are really into fuzz, they don't want to use anything digital. They're, they're, they're fuzz into an amp, you know, like, like tube amp. Um, or fuzz into a you know a vintage solid state amp that's high quality or something like that. They're not going fuzz into a helix in the loop. And I got to be honest with you, like once you wrap your head around how that works, dude, it's such a flexible setup. I mean, I got I got a Hendrix patch right now that sounds like the man himself um, in terms of his rig. Like obviously, I don't, I don't sound that much like him, but. Um, it's very, very close. And in, and if I put headphones on, it's hard for me. Like if I record it to tell which is me and which is Jimmy in terms of the, the timbre. So just a little heads up. That's where I'm headed. I'm still doing fuzz videos. I also want to get my Katana and, uh, put it up against a Viper. Like we talked about last episode, but I want to get my Katana again into a room, mic it up, play this son of a bitch loud, and then compare that to the Mark 525 again and do some different channels and some different settings so that I can give people a better depiction of than, than the original video I did. Um, the original video has been pretty popular, but I think it's fairly limited in the way that I approached it. I think if I use a microphone and, and don't tinker around with the idea of going direct and don't tinker around with the idea of um, using the five inch speaker for part of the demo. Cause that was part of the novelty of why I did that originally was just to show that the five inch speaker is actually pretty usable. Um, I, I think we can get some traction on that video too if we do like a really serious comparison between a professional level tube amp and a you know semi pro amateur uh solid state digital thing. So anyway, Jim, what do you got cooking? Sorry, I was muted. Um well so I'm looking at doing some different things. Um, I'm going to be doing some, uh, I, I'm going to be more on the comedy side. 
uh, only because people like to laugh at me. Um, so, Tim, I don't like to laugh at you. You, just, <laughs> you, you disgust me. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that, that that stripper story is just. Oh, God, Jim, shut <clears throat> up. Yep. Um, anyway, and it's a true story. That's the, that's I know. the horrific part of it. Is this the reason I'm in therapy? <clears throat> um, so anyway, yeah, you think you think you had to go to therapy. I was I was 20 years old at the time. Uh-huh. It was 19 or 20. Anyway, uh, so on the other side of things, um, I won't be going to Mexico again very soon. <laughs> um, it's been a lot of years. Um, I'm in my 50s now. So um <laughs> uh, there was a time when that kind of thing was was uh, actually uh, that kind of story and that kind of thing was actually something that got me um, free beers and, and people would all pat right, me on the back. For all, right, all right. Uh, Before we go time, on, the, I, the, I do not have enough hands to cover my face. This this show in general has me <laughs> sitting here with my head in my hands more yeah. often than I can count. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm going to be doing a couple of comedy things. Um, I'm actually going to do um, a, a look back in time. So I've talked about how I have so many issues of Guitar World, and I thought it would be interesting for me to pull out some of the issues and talk a little bit about some of the things that because I was going through to find some tablature of old songs. Right, I actually poured through my Guitar Worlds to find a song that I, you know, that I paid two dollars ninety nine cents to. Download the tab to my Sharona. Yep. Because I wanted to do it. Note. Now, remember, remember, note. you can go back. I think it's like episode 25 or 30 where Jim's talking about my Sharona and starts breaking it down. Um, Jim's been working on this song that long. He is obsessed yeah. with getting this. I am obsessed perfect. with getting that perfectly right. That guy. If you can get that, that solo, solo and play that without a band, Jim, I'll, I'll be yep. like, I'll be bowing down to you because it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So what's funny is so I have, it's 10 pages long. I believe it. The, the music to that is that's, 10 pages. It's like 10 and measures. That's the, <laughs> and that's no. Yeah. That, and that 10 pages folks are not, that's not big font. And it's yeah. not, um, uh, where they're like, okay. Every single, um, thing, they still have repeated parts, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. where you, where you have the, what do you call that? There's a thing where you put the musical Cod- thing co- and all that. Codas, yeah. There's several codas. That solo is long, and it is a lot of notes, and he doesn't repeat shit. No. I, mean, I, I was like, okay, he's got to do a lot of repetition in here. There's got to be a... No. He no. does everything slightly different every single time. And like, that solo is composed... Yeah. Like I think he, so I think he did what kind of what I do, which is like he ripped it one time yeah. and just did it really good, and then and then like learned it later, and it's like that's how we composed it. Like we just did it and it sounded great, so we just kept it, and then later on yep. I learned it and then compose it, yeah, because right. it was it, it is incredibly long. But anyway, so I I looked at them. Believe it or not, that is a a song that has not been in any magazines, and so I found. Um, uh, the the white pages, uh, guitar white pages, which is a great set of guitar tablature. If you're ever looking for like right. your cover band person and you need you something, you should know that about it. Yeah, tabs it out the whole solos and everything. That is a great set to get. There's three volumes now. I don't have the third volume, which I should go get anyway. It actually has my Sharona in it, but I paid two ninety nine to download it from Sheet Music Plus. So I have it. If anybody's ever interested in getting it, you don't have to pay me or anything, but. Um, you know, if you want some help, I'm actually going to try to break that down. I'm going to play it and break down the pieces because I've seen some people who like, this is how you play my Sharona. And they are so wrong. So wrong. I mean, it, I'm sure that musically somehow they're, they're fitting into the, the thing that they're doing, but they're completely wrong. I have that problem with any of the Hendrix stuff I've been working on too, Jim, where like, Oh yeah. I, people just don't get it. They don't understand like his style and his technique. And mm-hmm. I I can play enough of it now that I'm like no there's no way he played it this way he just did there's if, he no he didn't there's no way if you ever want to talk to somebody about the Hendrix thing Andy Allador reach out yeah, to Andy his his video is crazy I've seen it oh he's he did a um a thing where he did a, a DVD on experience yeah. and he breaks down everyone he did Fox, a, every a, is it that one or <laughs> I know he's done that one but he also did uh, Electric Ladyland 
Electric Lady that's the one. And Electric Ladyland is intense. Intense. His his breakdown of that. I have that and I Whoa. That's like that's like reading War and Peace as as far as the amount of information that's Yeah, dude, dude, if, and just Yeah, just, go ahead. Just as a brief segue, I listened to it this morning. Um Electric Ladyland, it, for those who are not experienced, you need to get experienced because I yes. have. Uh <laughs> Electric Ladyland is like the primer for what happened in the last 50 years of guitar. Yes. And, and honestly, the whole album, it's it's like from another world. When you listen to it, you're like, oh my God, there's the 60s in here. There's the 70s in here. There's some of the 80s, like these big ass riffs, like on uh, in 1983, A Merman I Will Be. And it's just like all over the place. He set the blueprint for what people were going to do in rock music for like the next 50 years. Yeah. I, I got to be the first one to say that um you know i'm not a huge hendrix fan i never was as that far as record being yeah but that record and i i say i'm not a huge hendrix fan yet i have a i have everything i have all of the hendrix we library all do. we all do. because even though i i say i'm not a huge fan that is that just means he is, does that just means jim doesn't have a strat with an upside down headstock right i, I <laughs> you're absolutely right. You know, I was playing a strat. Um, uh, our, our pastor has a strat. And uh, so I pulled the strat out and I'm, I'm playing it. And I remembered why I don't play a lot of strats, which is why custom shops an important thing, because I'm constantly when I, the way I strum and the way I move my hand, I'm really fast and really furious with it. I tend to hit that switch. Yep. So I'm always banging it out of the neck position and the neck position is important for the David Gilmore stuff. You can, move, you can move it. You can disable it. There's a lot I'm of things thinking you can about, do. What I'm thinking about doing is making the neck down and the bridge up. A lot of people do I've that Because I barely ever used the bridge. I've actually seen people do that. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about just taking the switch and take it out, switch it around, put it back in. Years yeah. ago, I saw a guy, and this is, and we'll get back to where we were. Uh, yeah, I saw a guy. Talk about videos. He had a Strat, and he had, uh, he had three push-pulls, right? Volume, tone, yep. tone. And the, and the three push pulls were pick up on off. Yeah. And, and I asked him, I said, do you do that because you like to be able to have the neck and the bridge on at the same time? Or, and he's like, no, he's like, well, that's cool. He's like, I can do that. And he's like, that's part of the reason why. But he said the real reason why is because now the switch is dead. He's like, I don't have to worry about hitting it anymore. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Yep. Somebody, but, somebody um, did one, uh, uh, Eddie Van Halen style where they just pulled the switch out and it's always at the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that where, and I've seen it where like they don't even wire a volume pot in there. Nope. Yeah. But, but no um, point in it. volume all the way up anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The, the whole thing with, with uh, strats and the tone and the controls, like I totally get it. I hit them too. Um, but, but I've been playing strats so long that it's yeah. like, I know to avoid it now. And, and it's just, it's just a part of my playing. It's, totally ingrained in me i don't even think about it anymore yeah well when i was playing the strat i played a strat for a lot of years as my primary guitar um and that was the one thing i was always conscious of but unfortunately it made me conscious of the playing now that said my prs i'm always knocking that volume switch i'm thinking about the the knob you're bumping the knob yes the knobs, thank you. I have that problem on st- certain strats too. I'm always knocking my knob. I'm always hitting my. No- I'm always smacking my knob with my Jim, hand. Just- how hairy are your palms? Can we talk about this? <laughs> always smacking that knob around. Oh, good so, God! Some of the. Um, so that's one of the video things that I'm thinking about doing. I, well, not thinking about. Doing, I'm going to do. I'm going to see how that goes. I'm hoping that people like it. One of the other things, because I want to talk. I'm literally going to read the ads too. I, I'm yeah. not going to like read every word but you're going to talk about some of the notable ads yeah some of the stuff that was like "Ooh, look at this cool piece of gear it's so cool and it's so rad and i've got guitar worlds that's going back to the 80s folks so this is going to get fun it's going to get fun no like honestly it's going to be a trip down memory lane but it's going to be really fun because it's a it was a different world if you didn't live through it it was a different world Compact flashcards when they first got introduced to pedals yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Oh my god! I was just looking at a jam man that had that in it. So um, I'm going to be doing that. I'm also going to do the um, "You're bad at at um, 
uh, guitar demos uh, demos. So I'm just going to hilariously do bad guitar demos. I do those. I do those already. They're in the group. I just Facebook li- live them. Yeah, you just Facebook. You see that one last night? You couldn't even see me playing the guitar. I was sitting. If you haven't seen the video, if you haven't seen the video yet, it's from my it's from my chin up, right? And I have I have the I Jim. I think I I I should actually post it on YouTube as a as a joke video. Kilroy is here. Yeah, you got like a little Kilroy is here thing going. Yeah, yeah, and I and I totally. So I said it in the video, but you can't hear a damn word I said because the microphone is facing the the studio monitors. Because I want to make sure you guys got good sound. And I said, I'm sitting on the floor because the helix is right in front of me and I've been programming it. But you yeah. couldn't fucking I hear it. That. So it doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> like, it's, oh, I, you know what, Jim? We're going to post that as a practical guitarist video. I'm going to. And it's going to be a parody video. And it's got to be. Yeah. So we're going to do some parody videos. We've always we've already talked about some of them. I don't want to give too much away. Um, but we're going to have some parody videos of videos uh, because because it's funny. It, and we're hoping that you guys enjoy them for what they are. They're not, we're not knocking anything. We're not knocking anybody. We're just parodying some of the things that you notice that it's like, really, you didn't, this is the age. <clears throat> this is the thing that I don't get. This is the age of editing. Like I mentioned with Trogley's thing earlier, this is the age of editing. You have the Fix ability it. to go back and edit out dumb yeah. shit. Just, just take out the mistakes or, or, oh my God, the video is terrible. Don't fucking upload it. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so embarrassed. This guitar was totally out of tune. If and um, I never should have done this. If we, I was drunk at the time, and then they put it up anyway. If we went the right path, if we went the right path, and we said, if this video sucks and I don't upload it, I'm going to ask a very important question for our audience. Sound off in the group. But if we went this path and we said that this video is not worth uploading, it doesn't have valuable information, or we present the information inaccurately, incorrectly, or we have right. bad sounds, so you can't tell anything from it anyway, would the Tone King exist? <laughs> yeah, I went there. I did. Uh, you did go there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is- That's a throwback last episode, folks. You know, <clears throat> so... Um, yeah, we're going to do some, some parody videos. Um, but the point is that what we're looking to do is, uh, is get a little hilarity and, and get some traction in the YouTube side of things. Um, because I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not Tim Pierce and I'm not, uh, the guy from reverb that does the incredible videos and I'm not you, Andy from pro guitar shop. I yes, mean, reverb. Andy, I mean, Andy from reverb. What pro guitar reverb. shop? What the hell is that? What the hell is pro guitar shop? I don't even remember those what days. About, what about Ryan from now? What about Ryan from professionalgirlshop.com? Are you are you as good as Ryan from professionalgirlshop.com? I haven't seen him. Is he bad? We'll talk after the show. <laughs> My point is, um, you know, and I don't want to be that guy that goes, I just bought this new guitar from blah, blah, blah. Take a look at it. And then he shoves a guitar in your face. It's like, look at, look at the headstock. So you can you can expect some nice flybys, some some good close ups, some decent looks. I, I I always wonder why does somebody hold the camera still and move the guitar? Here's an idea: you have the ability to do voiceovers. Put the guitar down, fly the camera over the guitar. You get some weird angles. It's like look at this headstock. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a bolt paddle right now because you look dinky. And the headstock's huge. It's like those stupid things where somebody goes, yeah, I've yeah, got the hugest cat in the world. There's and a hold the cat hold closer to camera. There's a so scene in the cute. original House of Wax, which is a 3D movie where the guy's playing the ping pong thing. And oh, the, yeah. And the ball's flying at you. And the, and, yep. and you're just looking at it and you're like, today, you look at it and you watch it and you go, I don't fucking get this because you're not watching it in 3D. <laughs> well, for Shark Week last, last night, so during the gig, after the gig, I should say, Shark Week was on the TV, one of the TVs oh, up yeah. there. And they were all laughing at the special effects in Jaws 3D. Oh, God. As the, as the shark is coming at the thing. Wasn't, was that Dennis Quaid in the movie? Yes. I don't remember. Anyway, so the shark is coming at them, and then it breaks. The shark breaks yep. through their underwater thing, yep. and they somehow survive. I'm still yep. laughing at that part. Yep. Nobody's thinking about the fact that the water wouldn't have rushed in. Everything would have rushed out. The yeah. whole physics of that breaking window was hilarious, but everybody was just couldn't get over the fact that how fake the shark looked. <laughs> Come at the window. 
It just it was completely a still picture. It was ne- just moving. Never mind the fact that Jaws dies the same way in like three out of the four movies. <laughs> and like, get the air thing in his tank. Get the air thing in his mouth and then shoot it. You know, it's like, fuck, guys, come on. We can't come up with a different ending. What the hell? How about we electrocute the fucking shark this time? Since, you know, he did fill the room of, of, of full of electronic equipment with water. Nobody, yeah, a, a room full of electronic equipment was filled with salt water, and nobody got shocked. But a guy did get eaten, and of course, for shock value, they had the guy still in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. The guy's head still sitting in his mouth when it was opening his mouth. I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was just I kept, asleep. I kept, I kept pointing it out to people. I said, "Look, the guy's head is still in his mouth." They're all laughing at the bar as I'm drinking my one beer at the end of the night. So <clears throat> anyway. Um, I thought that was that was pretty funny. Where does that go to? I don't. Oh, it comes to bad editing. Yeah. It's like, why are you doing these boat paddle videos? Nobody wants you to. Hey, look at this man. <laughs> all right. And all I, right. I've got the guitar things up in it, and then look at this guitar, and I'm pointing the guitar at you like like I'm gonna poke you in the eye with it. Just just freaking take the video. I'm trying and then to talk on video. Yeah. So you've seen the katana video, like you saw what I did. I used the I used yeah. the. Steadicam head on my tripod, which is terrible, to like just scan over the amps. And I put them into the tone kitchen, which is my actual right. kitchen on the counter. <laughs> you see that you'll know what I'm talking about. And yes. uh it looks terrible <laughs> because when you move when you move the camera like that, it, it, even if you were to carry it, it's not a steady cam. So just no. be aware you're gonna have to really work at that. Yeah, it's a it's a hard one. You saw the one I did the flyby with the SG. I did a pretty good job with that. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. I've got a pretty steady hand. It's not just well. I mean, in editing too, you might be able to apply some some uh, right, whatever you call it. Man, there's a lot of noise in my house tonight. Like my my books are falling off the top of my monitors right now, and uh, there's been people eating dinner in the kitchen. Yeah. Like this is going to be a really fun episode. If you really want to decipher what's going on, feel free. I I don't know what's going on. Well, you so. can hear my dog walking around. I've got all hard. We, we hear him all the time. And he's like, click, 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 click. It sounds like um, somebody's throwing marbles at the floor. That's my dog. And it's not because he has long nails. It's because I have all hardwood floors. So, yes, his nails need to be clipped, but it's not as bad as all that. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, so some of the video um, stuff that I've got is that I'm, I'm looking at doing, like I said, I want to do demos, but I don't want to do the um, those typical Here's the neck pickup, clean setting. Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to find like a different or unique angle on the way you do it. Yeah, so I'm just gonna play some some stuff and say, okay, these are these are the stuff I did because because to be honest, no matter what I do, uh, here's the neck pickup in in clean setting. You get it. It's gonna be your fingers, your your amp, your rig. I mean, it's gonna sound different no matter what. So I'm just gonna show you this is what I did and this is what how I applied it. So like the other night, um, so last night I decided to bring my Paul Reed Smith um, CE24 and my SG and play them. Um, so I did. You got to take a still of that and get that cat in the um, yeah. as as the icon in YouTube because that one is hilarious. Like, yeah. He puts his little face or her little face up in there. He's so cute. Yeah, it's Mer- Merle jumps up right next to me and there's like a I have a I'm you know got a desk in front of me and he gets up right next yep. to me and like. Just pokes his head around, like looks around the table, like is there anything up here? And then yeah, it's like he wants to be in the video. Yeah, like what the hell are you doing? And then down. sticks head back down. Like, looks like, like a gopher. Yeah, he's kind of like you in that one video. So anyway, um, you know, I, 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 kinda, I was playing the two guitars to see, okay, what was the what was the output difference in the guitars? Uh, because you're talking about eighty five fifteens in the Paul Reed Smith, and you're talking about classic fifty sevens in the um, the SG. And I got to be honest with you, the um, the balance of them wasn't that bad. Yes, there were total differences. And I kind of I want to do a sh- not a shootout like versus. Oh, this is better than this. Yeah, not it's just a it's comparison. About, right. It's more about what what kind of things am I going to use the eighty five fifteens for, and what kind of things am I going to use burst bucker for, and, and a classic fifty seven, and so so on and so forth. Um, where am I going to get my differences? And the Seymour Duncan's that are in the um, uh, in the LTD and kind of give you that comparison of why would you own these, this variety of guitars? So today I brought 
my that's why it's not on the wall behind me you can't see but um my s uh, my se to church people loved it and so the se obviously is a floyd rose um and here's a funny thing for you this almost never happens by the way so i undid the you know the nut tuned everything up locked the nut back down and then went to fine tune it There's and it was tune. perfectly in tune yeah so you never see where all your little um, the little screws heads for your um, Floyd Rose are the same height <laughs> all the way across. That just never happened. I have I have successfully gotten to have it one time on the Floyd yeah. Rose guitar I had. Um, yeah. yeah, it doesn't it was, last long because you take it out of the case the next time. And you're like, all yeah. right, <laughs> ah, there it goes again. But I had to laugh. I had to um, I had to laugh at myself for that. So you know, if you guys have any ideas for videos that you'd like to see. Um, gear that you'd like to hear. Uh, we were talking on our last one, so we're going to try to get a, um, Peeper, a PV Viper into David's hands. Um, <laughs> Harrison, a katana shootout. Sorry. Uh, I think it'd be interesting. It's it, because we saw another YouTube channel do it, and we're like, you know what? Let's let's do it. When I say right, let's do it a real Fairly. fairly. Look. There's, and you could stick that Mark V in there to get that. Yeah. So you can get the whole like realm of effect. Here's the thing. Jim and I, when we started this podcast and this is my, this is my PBS moment, right? Uh, right? When we started this podcast, the whole point was we were watching other podcasts. We were right. watching YouTube channels. We were watching the gear community in general forums, like the gear page where people talk about this stuff and we saw the amount of shilling going on and it was, it was appalling. Like when you see somebody who, you know, because from actual like people who have paid said person that they are being paid to endorse a product and they don't out and out say, Hey, I have a deal with this company to endorse this product. That's wrong. That's wrong. It's misleading. And Jim and I have always made a very, a very strong commitment. We will only ever endorse anything on this show if we're using it because we like it. Right. If if you want to send us something, we'll demo it for you. But I am not promising you it's going to be a good review. More likely, we won't talk about it at all. Right. Right. But, but, Which is the way, really, that, that it's the best way to handle things. If it's not, if it's something that we feel is not useful for us and we can't really get a good review out of it. We just won't What's talk about it. Posting it, right? Exactly. And that doesn't mean so. We're we're also the guys that are telling you, look, we're infotainment. We don't have any problem saying that a lot of what is presented on the show is just strictly opinion, not necessarily fact. We present right. a lot of a fa- fact too. That's the right. info side of infotainment. Um, and so what I want to make very clear here is that there are pieces of equipment that Jim and I hate detest won't talk about there are techniques there are players that jim and i hate that we won't yep. talk about on this show right just not gonna happen and right. if just you ask about it in the facebook group we'll tell you what they are right. i don't have any problem over there i just don't want it to be on the show i don't want it to right. be represented in the media as we think this sucks and nobody should buy it no we're just saying look we don't use it we don't find any value there doesn't right. mean you won't right um so you know uh, the 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 videos that I've got coming um, are going to be like I said. Some of it's going to be informational. Some of it's going to be fun. Some of it's going to be literally funny. I've got characters that I've made up, but I've I've seen a lot of comedy done badly, um, and I know because people tell me I'm not conceited. I'm convinced, so to speak. Um, a lot of people tell me I'm a very funny person in person. I do a very good job acting funny acting parts so i'm going to be acting parts they're not me they are characters i want you to understand that the people that i'm going to bring to you are characters it's it's not that they're going to be oh now he's making fun of this group of people or something like that that's not what it is i'm just making i just hope that you understand that what i'll be doing is is bringing you um a caricature of something so that you understand it that's what comedy is. It is an explosion or a, or a, um, a, a microscopic look at something that really wasn't meant to be funny, but was funny. And you can make it funny by 
overdoing it, you know? Yep. Look at Stevie T. Yeah. Stevie That's T. That's what he does. Oh, so his latest, uh, I, I want to do this because I'm, I am a Stevie T fan. You're not um, the only his one. His latest video. I laugh so hard. It was picking techniques and you have to watch it. Cause he has like James Hetfield and he tries to pick like James. Strange. Hetfield and- it's, it's 10 best or 10 weirdest or 10 guitars with the weirdest pe- picking techniques. That's what it is. Oh, uh, Probably one of the I, show I notes. Laugh. Yeah, I laugh from front to back on that one. I was, um, I was like, okay, let's watch this. And man, his number one, I'm not going to mention who it is. I haven't watched it yet, so don't. Um, oh man, you're going to laugh your butt off because everybody was like, I know who it's going to be, and they were right. It, the guy's got the wackiest technique, and it's DVT. I know it's going to be it. too. I, I can. There's already- a couple of the. There's a couple of the guys that have like. They have normal hands. Does it, but when they go to pick, it looked like they broke their hands in places. You just, I was like, ah, Jim, how do you do that? Jim, Jim, is he a Mega Man? Yes. Okay. <laughs> then I know it was. <laughs> yeah, you'll see. That's pretty funny. Um, those of you who haven't watched it, you know, Stevie T's a, a, a funny guy. He's a very, um, <laughs> um, but he, he's got faces again. That's, that's kind of like one of the, my sticks as well is that the faces that he makes are just too fun. I think I, I think I could pick like that guy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That one was like, it's like, how are you doing that? It was why? Where's the, and of course he does do Michelangelo video. So he gets, yeah, one of our he, guys. Has a, he has a funny technique as well. Yeah. He's got a very planted. Oh, so, oh, 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 since you brought it up. Yes. We have an interview with Michelangelo video. But I wanted to plug this because I'm not sure everybody knew this. I found out that we've been making a gross error in the way that Podbean is set up, and I feel so stupid about it, but I want to let everybody know all our back episodes are available through Podbean now. So yes. if you want, you can go and you can download episode one if you want and want and listen to it. I didn't realize that they were by default set up to only show the 20 most recent episodes. So oh. these last couple of episodes where I'm telling people, I have 50 plus, we have 50 plus episodes out there. Like people are like, yeah, right. You know, like, no, it's, it's, it's seriously, it's out there. Yep. So download. Oh, I enjoy. Didn't know. Oh, so, so yeah. Cause I pay for the full version. Yeah. yeah. You can get every one of them from, uh, uh, number one up. And so we've got some, we've got some high hitters, you know, Thomas Blug and Jody Trevetti. Well, J- Jim and uh, I were kind of wondering like, no, why nobody watches some of these old episodes and that are like, whether, why they're not downloading them. And then I realized, oh shit. <laughs> All right, so, so I, got, I apologize, everybody. Uh, yeah, we we do have them up there. There are fifty plus episodes, and you can get them. Hopefully, they're available also through iTunes and uh, no, no, Stitcher that's no, that's the thing. They weren't available through those places. If you'd gone to our website, you could have got or to to podcast oh, Podbean only. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So well, now, now you can. Yeah, now you can get them through everything, and and some of you folks already have. Thank you, um, yep. and I hope you I hope you enjoy the back material. So. Yeah, we were kind of rough back then. Um, we were oh, still trying to find our feet. Right. We did. We got our feet pretty quick, Jim. <laughs> I watched. I listened to the first couple episodes. But about was, episode four or five, we were we were ready. <laughs> yeah, we. I was going out my sea legs there. Um, so uh, I want to talk about something. Switching gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about. Um, uh, so for instructional stuff this week, as I said earlier, I bought the tablature for. Um, uh, for my Sharona. What I want to do with that is I literally want to break it down because there's a tonal shift in there. There's a key shift in there. He shifts keys for that solo. You don't do that very often. Nope. Like, you know how Pink Floyd shifted time signatures for uh, money yep. so that David Gilmore so David could solo. Gilmore wouldn't have to play in five eights or whatever it was. Right, seven eight, yeah. yeah. He wanted to play in four four. So they shift to four four and then they come back seven eight, which is really done well. Using that, you know, um, and a well done. It's not just a paradiddle that's like, you know, a random. No, they used, they used to build up, which which is what you should do if you're going to do a, a major shift in a song like that. So, yep. And then shifting back because they go from seven eight to four four back to seven. I think it's seven eight. Five, yeah, it's seven eight or five four or five eights. I'm not sure which. Yeah, yeah. And believe it or not, there are. It's kind of like that ending chord to help. There's a. Is it help? I want to say it's help. Um, or is it, uh, it's one of the Beatles songs where the, the last chord, everybody's like, uh, oh, what is that chord? 
Uh, but anyway, um, might not be help. I can't, anyway, um, seven eights. By the way, I just I just tapped out my head. I think, I think it's seven eights. Yeah. <clears throat> there's people that are like, well, it's seven eight, but in some places it's this eight, and then it's, no, 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 it's seven eights. <laughs> that's what I'm, I thought. I'm pretty I thought sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, anyway, um, my Sharona has that movement from uh, G major to C and yeah. that G. And uh, I'm not sure why C is a weird key to solo over. Sure, it's not a. Um, you sure it's not like a like a, um, a modal thing. It might be modal. That's what I'm saying. So that's why I want to break it down. Look at usually how when you well, usually if you're looking at G to C or C to G, it's modal. yeah. You're moving modally yeah. from the. Um, what is that? The four is what? Not mixolydian. That's. Uh, I don't know offhand. Yeah. Can't remember. I can't remember if it's a local end or no. It's by the way, it's not seven eight. It's seven four. Seven four. Yeah. Is it seven four? See, I told you. There's there's a lot of discussion about that. I always thought it was seven eight. Well, Money? I mean, you could break it down either way. If it's seven four, so it, he said it was composed. It, the the song has been composed in seven eight time, but it was composed in seven four according to Gilmore. So it really, yes, there there's some argument about. What it's what it is because you know of course they're not writing this stuff down when they're writing it they're recording it no right and when Alan Parsons had to do that thing because the 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 literally the 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 timing was built around that change going into the pottery thing yep. that we talked about before yep. so it's kind of weird but I I kind of want to start taking some songs and breaking them down um, to look at some of the the modes and some of the keys and how they're using. Um, uh, what what modes or what um, uh, scales over particular songs? So <clears throat> some kind of, some folks get confused about modes and and scales. I I do. Yeah. I I know I I know I use them all day long. I just don't know exactly what they are. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the names. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't remember. I used to have it memorized. Like oh, I have Ionian memorized. I think Mixolydian is is that the flat seven? I can't remember now. That's, That's got a flat seven. Five? It, no, it's got a flat seven. That um, I know Lydian is the flatted fourth. Yep. So like I and know Lopurian a couple of them. the ones the, you use normally are like like Lydian and and stuff. Yeah, so. Lydian, Mixolydian, um, Ionian, obviously. Yeah. And of course, for scales, people talk about pentatonic, but what they don't talk about is you can use a mode of a pentatonic scale. Right. So you can I say, okay, you know what? I'm yeah. So I can shift to like say I'm playing in G, but I play D over over that. You can still use the G pentatonic, knowing how to shift to the D. You know, you know what I love? Major pentatonic. That's another one. That a lot of people don't know their major pentatonic scale. Oh hell no, hell no. And I didn't <clears throat> look, I didn't use it. Um and and knowing what it was, I mean I used it a lot. But I didn't know what it was until recently. What I like about major pentatonic is you can easily get into those like Middle Eastern sounding stuff. Yes. Um, and if especially if you put a flatted fifth in there, yep, you can you could do some really like fun kind yeah, of some like, psychedelic kind of rock yeah. stuff. And you know that's kind of where I'm at in my life. So yeah, the old what they used to call stoner rock, pretty much. But you know, yeah. Um, now of course stoner rock I think has changed. Now stoner rock has got a different. Um, what's the word I want? What's that? What's that? Uh, uh, description um, for Stoner Rock, but anyway, that, that uh, they have, but, yeah. Well, no, new Stoner Rock. It's oh, not you're talking? No, you're talking about um, Doom. Yeah, which I don't see as Stoner. I don't picture that as Stoner, but I'm, I come from a different area where Stoners were into the psychedelia. Yeah, you're. Well, your idea of a Stoner is at, if somebody uses acid. Yes, dropping acid, not, <laughs> not sitting in his mom's basement. Smoking yeah, too much yeah, smoking too much bad weed, you know. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so uh, were we, what the hell were we talking about? We were talking about the, you're talking the fact, about my Sharona. Yeah, well, my Sharona. Yeah, breaking that down and using well, no major major pentatonic. The major oh, pentatonic right. is really cool, especially if you're playing over southern rock. Yep, yep. Um, but you're really using a mode. Of a minor pentatonic. Right. Think about it. It's exactly what it is. The major Aeol pentatonic. It's the Aeolian mode of the major of the pentatonic. Right, of the minor, uh, right. So if you take minor pentatonic, G right. major pentatonic is which minor pentatonic? G major pentatonic is the is uh, E minor. 
Right. E minor pentatonic. Right. And C major pentatonic is A minor pentatonic. Correct. So if you're playing, <clears throat> right, so if you're playing over typically any Leonard Skinner tune, you're going to play E minor pentatonic, G major pentatonic. My favorite thing to do when you're playing Southern Rock, though, is to go into an open tuning. Oh. Like open yeah. E or open G. Open and if D. You, so, yes, oh, yeah, you, know, you can play slide with those things. But you know what? If you can learn to actually play scales and stuff in the in yep. in those open tunings, open oh my god, it just opens up so many doors. Well, it, you and I both know that that a lot of um, I say, can't say a lot, but um, there were a good number of dadgad tuned uh, solos because sure. dadgad is so easy. Once you, <clears throat> one of the things that that people forget, it, you always get these people that are like, "Do I really need to learn my?" my um theory no you don't you could play what sounds good but if you know your theory and you want to move to say a dad gad tuning or an open tuning if it's, you know your theory there's a learning curve but it's a lot reduced right then you can right you can learn how to get to and from your notes and you can learn how to use dad gad especially if you're doing chordal stuff and adding notes or over chordal things right it's a, it's a lot easier to come up with licks, if yes. you know your theory too. Like I know, I've I've heard several players like they go into jam night or whatever, and they're like, "Man, I gotta be really careful because I'll run out of all my licks." Like, yeah. and I'm like, "Well, first off, why are you even thinking about guitar that way? You should be approaching it. This is my approach, and I know this doesn't work for everybody. The way right. I approach that problem is, guitar is not about like recitation. It's right. about it's about conversation. So Correct. you should be looking at it as a language." And your licks are maybe some common phrases that you might use, but they are not how you actually construct a solo. Um, no. So And they shouldn't be. And so when I see these guys say that, I'm like, well, you know, if you knew a little bit more theory, like you could construct stuff on the spot a lot easier. Um, Definitely. I, granted, I know I know enough theory to be really dangerous in those situations, but yep. but when I'm on stage, I'm not thinking theory. But but I know that those scales, like the the patterns that appear to me are in my head, are definitely ingrained from the fact that I know that this is if I play this note, it's going to sound good against this chord, you know. Right. Well, I use that. I also use um. Uh, so my my choice of the way I play is always based on my feeling in the moment in time. Right. So I, I could use a pentatonic or I could use a mixolydian or I could use, you know, so <clears throat> my choice of, of where to play and, and what feeling I want to get is what feeling I'm getting at that moment. I'll give you an example. We play um, in the air tonight, which is a, it's a D minor, right? Yep. I can play a D minor pentatonic over it all day long and I can get away with it. Yeah. Especially well, that song because there's not a lot of variation in the uh, the chordal parts. No, it's always D minor um, to C to B flat. To you know, it goes. It just goes in that circular form. So, well, that that can be boring, but I can make it interesting. What I usually do is I listen to what the singer did during mm -hmm. the time he was he was singing. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't realize it, but he makes little subtle changes every time he sings yeah, it. Yeah, and you try to echo that. In and I try to, right, I try to bring that into what I play for a solo. He does the flashy stuff. He always does the, you know, the, the it's like playing with Buckethead sometimes with this guy. So I know that he's going to do a flashy thing over it. And so I try to bring um, a uh, subtle, um, you know, movement into it. So I might play D minor pentatonic, or I might actually play chordally over it. So I'll play over, you know, arpeggios of D minor, C and B o or B flat over the, you know, the, what he's playing, because I can say, OK, I can picture I can picture the um, arpeggios and sometimes I'll play positionally. I'll stay in a position and play the arpeggios over the position or I may move them around the neck. And it just depends on how I'm feeling at the way he was inflecting certain parts. So and that's another thing. When you think about why do I move around the neck? Am I showing off? Is it because I got bored playing in this position? Or is it because I want to inflect 
I think people lose the reason that they move in, in places. When we talk, like I'm doing right now, I inflect certain parts and certain syllables. But why do I do that? It's because I want you to notice them. And so if you're moving into places all over the neck all the time, nothing becomes inflected. Everything. And that's where, where people, I think, get bored with, with uh, flashy guitar playing at times is because there's so much moving around the neck. Um, they're like, I don't know. It's boring. Even though it's dynamic, it's boring because it's boringly dynamic. Does that make any sense? I don't know if I'm... No, it does. Um, I come at it from a totally different angle. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you, so you, you compose in the moment, like, and that's the way I like to think about it when, when you talk about analysis. You like, you hear what the singer does and you react and then you try to put together, um, a consistent musical statement right. in, the, in the eight or 12 bars that you've got for your, for your solo part. Um, yep. I'm totally different, and I'm going to liken this to two professional guitar players in the same band. Um, so I believe we're in the same band at the same time, uh, and that's uh, Steve Clark and Phil Collin of Def Leppard. Okay, so Phil Collin is the studied, like I got all the techniques under my belt, and yep. I can play whatever I want, and I I compose my solos. Whereas Steve Clark was the complete opposite. He was a dude that would just come out and be like, I'm going to make crazy fucking noises and like, I'm going to talk with my guitar. And that, so in this analysis, I'm more the Steve Clark than than you are. Now, it has nothing to do with the technique side of it. It's just their approach to how they they define their role in the band. Like when I come out and I'm like, uh, guys like you guys, like, take a solo. I just start ripping. And like, it just depends on the vibe of the song. Obviously, I'm going to get that's going to set the, you know, the, the tone for what I'm going to do. But basically it's a free for all. I'm not looking to emulate what somebody else just did. If anything, I'm trying to make my own musical statement with the chords from that, from that piece. Makes sense. Um, that's, and well, I, think that was, that's I think that was a magic. If you go back to listen to that Def Leppard catalog, high and dry. If you haven't listened to high and dry, you haven't listened to Def Leppard. That was their first album with um, uh, John Mutt Lang producing them, but it, they were more raw. The other records, nothing wrong with those records. I love them too. Pyromania and, and Disturbia or whatever it was. <laughs> Hysteria. <laughs> Hysteria. Because, because honestly, they sound like the same record to me twice. Um, the, that first record, High and Dry, where they really sound like an a- they sound like they're going to be ACDC. They're really ripping it up. They're just yeah. Well, tearing to and the funny thing is, just, Phil Collins not on that record. No, so no, he's not. And if you and if you listen, um, that that raw sound that they got in the solos of High and Dry, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Bring It On the Heartache. Yeah, he is on the newer version of Bring It On the Heartache. Because there was right. a, there were, um, some litigation that happened. Yeah, they're not they allowed had, to. They're not allowed to list their music on iTunes because they have a argument with the record company about how much mu- music or money they should be getting from downloads of their music. And so they basically said, "Fuck it, we'll just go back into the studio and re-record these parts." And so they did. Right. And so some of the albums that are out there are like reproductions. And I'll be honest with you: if you've listened to any of them, you can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you listen to um, "Bring It On the Heartache," Phil Collin did add a little bit of Phil Collin to that. So, yeah, there's that. that if you don't hear it. That particular version is is a, a bit different. That's almost like a tribute to the original song. But if you listen to absolutely, um, if you listen to like I think they, I think they did Pyromania that way too. The yep. album's note for note. Yep. Like they like literally just went in and like I from what I understand they even dug out some of the old gear and stuff and like we're just gonna do it same shit same same way so we could sell these songs again. But Phil Collin is like David Gilmore in that he can exactly match his parts. He goes in there, he knows exactly what he's going to do. Well, so Gilmore, and, and I'm not poo-pooing on anybody, um, <laughs> we, there was an old website, and I, God, I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was around 12, 13 years ago, and they talked about you know guys that were really good at doubling. Okay, A lot of the guys that they said were really good at doubling on that site 
They yeah. weren't doubling their own parts. They were using no. ADT, so they were just like using a, a stereo chorus, or they yeah. were they were using just a just a hair of delay um, on their signal just to make it sound like um, double tracking. And a little trivia behind that is that that so it existed before John Lennon, but that's when yeah. people like really took note because the the engineer that worked on work with John Lennon was like. We could never get him to double his parts. He refused, and yeah. like so, we had to come up with an option because he was just basically yeah. on it. He was an asshole. <laughs> so. Yes, and yet John Lennon hated the way his voice sounded, so they had to double it, even though John Lennon wouldn't double his parts. Yeah, yeah. So they had to come up with a way to double his voice. Right, right. So um, now that said, I sat and watched. Um, if you watch any of those. Um, uh, Eagle, I think it's Eagle Records. It's not a record company. Yeah, the, the classic album, videos. classic albums, right? Yes, classic albums. If you watch the Dark Side of the Moon one, and you watch David Gilmore double his parts because he plays along yeah, with himself. Yeah, he's really close on the to the to the thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's and tell. he's doing it like thirty years later or forty years later, and so yeah, it's just pretty <laughs> cool. Um, but what he would do now? Here's what. Here's why it's interesting the way he doubled his parts. He would take, we talked about this before, he would take his parts and he would play, he would fly in, you know, eight, ten solos, whatever, however many solos. And then he would go, I like these bars of this one, I like these bars of this one, I like these bars. Yeah. So he would then copy and paint, or I mean, um, literally tape cut, together cut the, the pay, solo. Yeah, cut the tapes and, right. Then he would double that. Yeah. That's what's amazing. The, well, no, no, and I do, I actually do that, time. but I do that too, Jim. Like that's another that's another technique you can use for composition is to yeah. take is to just take a bunch of different like um, improvised approaches and then to sit back and say okay I like this this and this about these improvised pro- approaches get the yep. final thing learn it and just track it yep. I do it all the time it's that's yeah. that, that's a really common method by which you can write a piece of music yeah oh yeah but that said um, he then learned it and then tracked. The yeah, second guitar part. I, Jim, that's that's what I'm saying. Yes, I've done that many a time. I, <laughs> I know. I'm getting to a point here. The reason you that that's a lost art is because that same person then has to take it live. So either you're really good at re-improvising or you can redouble that part. Yeah, no, and I, and I, I, I've had to do that in a live setting before, but yeah. not not my own music right now, I wouldn't be doing that. I'm just saying right. like it's not un- it's not unachievable. Let's face it. If you can play it once, you can play it a second time. Unless it's um, unless it's got unless it's got one of those mistakes on it where it's it's better on the record than you know than you're ever going to be able to do again. And that's a mistake at that point. No heartbreaker, heartbreaker from from uh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. He Listen did. He, he did. He's done that all. all not, oh, no, I know. So, so, he had to relearn a lot of. Listen to that solo. But, but there is a lot of stuff in there that you can't tell me that he planned some of that stuff. I mean, there there is some of that stuff that had to be happy mistakes. Then he had to go back and go, okay. So the one the one that comes to mind for me is White Summer. Okay, and, and that that's so that and 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 here and again. He's not the guy to be picking on for this because he was an improvisational guitar player. Like that was his, that was his whole thing. So for him to be able to whip out those solos and do some of the stuff, like just hit the the main high points of the, of those particular pieces are a big deal because that's not what he was about. Like, no. So yeah, but, but he's a studio guy. That guy was a studio rep for years. So I'm sure he could do it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just a matter of preference for him. Right. Well, okay, so who do you think um, made a big um, uh, mistake? Think of a guitar player. Kirk Hammett. Or song. Kirk Hammett. Matt, oh, I think yeah, it's a Master oh. of Puppets solo where he pulls the string off and he uh, yep. pulls it off the board and he can't do it ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, the, that's, that's the, mis- the magic mistake. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a song that has a behind-the-nut bend. Um, um uh, Iron uh, Man slash Iron Man slash has used one in um one of his famous solos and those are hard to pull off in the mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. Well Tony Iommi could do it because uh, a lot of his stuff was was tuned down to to C or 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 D depending yes. on what they're doing. 
And uh, he had, I think, he did an Iron Man, I know for sure, but he did it all yep. over the place. Like, he was a real big user of the, the behind-the-nut bend. Yep. Um, and it's easier on certain Gibsons than it is. Yeah, like, the SG you cannot, it. You're never going to do that on a Strat unless you're doing it on the, the EB or G-string. And the yeah, G-string is almost impossible. Yep. Because the the way that the neck is set up and the tension and all that, but if you if you're doing a Gibson and you're tuned down, it's a lot easier. There's also the um, uh, the old Gibson um, uh, trademark using the um, little high things you can get behind the. Yeah, playing behind the playing behind the bridge between the stop yep. tailpiece and the bridge. Um, they people are making products now to actually deaden that area of the guitar. I don't know Isn't how I feel. Weird? I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of want to get one and try one out. Yeah. Um, just to see, cause I know like for metal playing, it's going to tighten things up. Yeah. Um, and that people don't realize how much that area actually does vibrate while you're playing. And oh, even yeah. above the, even above the nut. Yep. Um, it can really what? change the tonality of your instrument. It's the same thing as having your tremolo springs vibrating. You know, you can hear it through the amp, whether you think you can hear it or not. Yes, um, you can. So you can. And the more you turn that up, the more you'll find that out. Yep. Yep. And we've talked about this before. We're in an era right now where people are turning down. Yeah, yeah. That's that. We're, we're both doing it. I mean, if if I wanted to be like my heroes, I'd have a pair of KT sixty six powered Marshalls running fifty watts in the in behind me, and nothing oh, I yeah. have is anywhere near that. <laughs> I'd be playing that that SG through two fifty watt Marshall heads <laughs> into um, four eight by twelve Marshalls <laughs> cabs. You know. Yeah, and you need um, and you need a U-Haul and uh, to to haul it to gigs, and you would also need a, a story. That's the reason people have gone practical. That's the reason this show exists it's because right. practicality's trumped all that. When the guitar is on the run, and we like it or not, we're not de- we're not dead. We're not dying. The guitar is not going to die. But no. we are in a situation where there are far more guitar players than there is a desire for guitar music, and so. That kind of stuff's going the wayside. You're, the, the guy that gets yep. the gig is the one that stays out of the way. That's right. So and and um, saving money is a big thing now because you're not going to make a ton of money. Um, gigs gigs are paying. I, I'm making as much for a gig now as I was in the '80s. So you got to you got to put uh, that in perspective. You've got to pare things down. When when we were dragging out stuff, blowing up flash pots and everything else on stage, it's crazy. Now. Um, uh, we we are looking at a new era. That's all I'm saying. Yep, and that's pretty pretty good place to end, Jim. Where we're an hour and seven, so let's let's do this. Awesome. I have been David this week. Oh, I have been Jim, and 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 we are the practical guitarists. Yes, we are. 